You're listening to the Public Health Epidemiology Careers Podcast, Episode 79. Welcome to the Public Health Epidemiology Careers Podcast, where we explore public health epidemiology careers and share tips and strategies to help you enter or transition into the field. And now your host, Dr. Charlotte Hughes-Huntley. Greetings, everyone, and thank you for joining me on this episode. Today, I'm going to introduce you to Dr. Jasmine Ward, the founder of Black Ladies in Public Health. Now, Black Ladies in Public Health is a global community of Black women who are interested in, who are training, and who are working in public health. The organization promotes scholarship and service and self-care and support for health equity. This episode is for you, even if you're not a Black lady in public health, but you are interested in supporting issues or causes and policy that relates to Black ladies in public health. This episode is for you if you want to be inspired by hearing the public health journey of Dr. Ward and her connection with the populations and causes that she cares most about. This episode is definitely for you if you are Black female, and interested in public health. Dr. Jasmine Ward is a health educator with specific interest in understanding and addressing health disparities. She has experience as a professor, community health leader, advocate, and a public health entrepreneur. She serves as an assistant professor at a local college in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and serves as director of programs for a Dallas-based organization that focuses on providing health education, testing, counseling, and other support services related to HIV, hepatitis C, and substance abuse for Black MSMs, trans women, and their families. She is a passionate, driven, and intelligent leader who is authentic, relatable, and has a great sense of humor. I truly enjoyed this interview and appreciate her for taking the time to come on this episode and share her journey and some tips and insights with all of us. So let's join that interview with Dr. Ward. All right. Well, today I am very excited to welcome to the show Dr. Jasmine Ward. So Jasmine, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to have you here. And I would love for you to, uh, we have a lot to cover. And uh, if it's okay with you, I'd like to just dive in. No problem. All right. So I've given a little bit introduction of you in early part of this episode. So if you would, in your own words, just briefly describe your background and, you know, what you've done previously and what kind of work you're doing now. (laughs) You want me to be brief? Okay. No. So I am, I would like to believe that I can be fairly modest about what I've done in the past, but I started my journey in public health really as a naive young student who wanted to help people and didn't really know how to help people. Um, I knew that I wanted to work in some capacity to help around health issues. And then I was seeing a lot of things that were going on in my own community. So I was torn. I was like, okay, I want to do health. So I want to be a a medical doctor or a nurse or something when I go to school. But I also want to help people who are dealing with um, mental health issues and things like that. And so I first started out 
in psychology, thinking um, as an undergrad, I went to Tuskegee University. They really cultivated like my interest in education, and I really loved the things that I was learning. But somehow I ended up in sociology classes, and like I wouldn't leave them. So I was like, this is totally <laughs> not my my major, but I'm always in these sociology classes. And I had a wonderful professor, Dr. Vivian Carter, who who was like amazing. And I started to find out more about a field called public health. And I actually applied for a Ronald McNair Scholars Program at University of Alabama at Birmingham. And I actually worked under um, a a woman who was amazing, a young woman, actually, which is even more inspiring, Dr. Cheryl Holt, who was doing work around cancer prevention and doing some education in the preventative medicine uh, arm of uh, UAB. And so once I worked with her, again, that public health space was kind of broadening for me, and I could see how it all, everything I wanted to do was fitting together. And so then I went on to look for more internships and found Project Imhotep at uh, Morehouse, and it was amazing. And I actually interviewed with Dr. Bill Jenkins, and I didn't know who he was at the time, but I knew he was pressing me hard about my, I mean, he interviewed me, and I was like, this man is serious. And so I, was, I loved it, though, because he really did make me answer questions that I, no one had ever asked. And I'm thinking, this is a internship interview, but he wants to know about community, and he wants to know, and so I was like, how does this all fit together? And so... Needless to say, after Imhotep, I was sold on public health. And so you could have just told me, ma'am, you're just going to be a public health for the rest of your life because everything is public health is everywhere. Exactly. And so I really got that early on that public health was everywhere. And so there was never this like love with anything else. And then just, you know, not working out. It was more so like I had love for everything. And then I realized there was a field that literally wanted to do everything. And so a lot of the tangible skills that we gain in public health, we can do literally anything. And so I was so inspired by that. Ended up going to UAB for a master's in public health in the Department of Health Behavior and continuing on in their joint program with UA um, in health education and health promotion. And so that has been my journey. My research started out being really focused on teen pregnancy. And most of us are drawn to things that um, are relevant to your experiences. And so because I had you know, a teen mom and I knew about teen pregnancy, being in the community and having so many people around me who were teen mothers and not really thinking much about the boys. I just started gravitating towards the teen mom, teen pregnancy prevention work. And then I realized in terms of what we do and, you know, having that little research inkling um, and I said, well, what about the boys? And I ended up meeting my husband, um, who is now my husband. And at the time, I found out that his father and mother were both teen parents. And his father is absolutely amazing in my eyes. And so I think that was really one of the, the main things that pushed me to look at men or boys and understanding their relationship in our conversations around teen pregnancy. So I actually started my work, real work, uh, in this field, looking and, you know, really exploring stigma and concerns as it relates to just the way we are discussing and involving teen boys who are actually either interested in getting a girl pregnant or, you know, become teen fathers. And so that was, you know, a very unique entry point because, of course, you know, you have to find people who can really nourish and uh, mentor you along the journey. And so when I 
decided to get married. My husband decided to go to Michigan, University of Michigan for his business degree. And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm leaving. I finished my coursework at UAB, but I still needed, you know, to get through the dissertation process. And I found the most wonderful woman in the whole wide world, Cleopatra Caldwell. Dr. Cleopatra Caldwell was amazing. And her work, believe it or not, was focused on men, fathers, black men. <laughs> wow. Like, oh, you are a gym and it's all <laughs> that I could ever ask for. And so I got there and I literally was eight, I think I was seven months pregnant. And she said to me, come in. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, you go see I'm seven months <laughs> pregnant. And so I'm really huge at this time. And so I was like, I will work for free. I want to do whatever it is I can do to help you. I was so hungry. And, yeah. and she was like, I was literally hungry because I was seven months pregnant, but I was really hungry <laughs> <laughs> by, by way of being in this field. And so she was just like, come in, you know, whatever you want. And so I had no idea how to really navigate a lot of the professor-student relationship on a very like personal level. At UAB, I did very well with connecting with my faculty members who were like obligated to be my faculty members. Right. Me. But I didn't really know how, honestly, how to navigate like a very personal relationship where I said to them, like, here are my vulnerabilities and I need help. But that was like the first time. And I don't know, like literally, I guess, because I knew there was no other vulnerability besides being huge that <laughs> that I could have. I guess I was like, I'll just let it all hang out. So I literally told her, I'm coming from UAB. I'm currently in a program there. I have a dissertation idea. I am not going to be going back for another two years. And I don't want to let two years go by without you know, moving forward with something. And I have all of my data. I could do it from afar, yes, but I still want to be working. And so I want to work in this field and understand this field. And so she literally took me under her wings and said, let's go. And there was no looking back. She, even to this day, she's still like an advocate. And I might not talk to her for a whole year. And I see her and it's like, we pick up where we left off. So the field of public health for me has been one of, you know, support by way of obviously learning about this area. But it's been a opportunity for me to learn about my own community in ways that, I, you know, from a different vantage point. And so she really is doing a lot of wonderful work. And I've just kind of, I've kept in that same spirit of looking at, um, you know, working with individuals and organizations that are doing work to understand populations in ways that really help be empowering and um, to really amplify their voices, to really address stigma. And this is stuff that I didn't know I was doing, but really this has been my overarching, I think, theme for interest in public health. And so um, right now I am still serving I've been an assistant professor um, in the Department of Health Studies at Texas Women's University and at Kennesaw State University due to very, I mean, very honestly, just family ties and family obligation. I've moved um, and had to um, change roles from Kennesaw State University, which was an opportunity that I had to be an assistant professor. Prior to that, I was serving as a 
adjunct at Tuskegee University, which under Dr. Vivian Carter again. Um, <laughs> and then I came to Texas where I worked for the American Heart Association as the multicultural director, really a community-facing uh, role, and Texas Women, uh, again, as an assistant professor. And I'm working with Abounding Prosperity in Dallas, which is something so new that literally no one knows. So this is now my, hello, guys, I'm working for, no, <laughs> this is my new role. So I am now working with Abound of Prosperity in a role that is a leadership role, but still a very, you know, community-facing role. I like community engagement a lot, so this is just giving me an opportunity to help them um, grow and really just do what they've been doing, which is amazing work around HIV and AIDS prevention, along with substance abuse and things that are really going to be hand-in-hand with a lot of those issues, but particularly with the MSM population, trans population, and soon-to-come Black women. Yeah, man, I love your story. So much of that, I'm thinking, I just know everybody's listening going, wow, I didn't know that about her. <laughs> because, um, oh, yeah, and I'm, and I'm a first-generation college student. So when I say I am terrible with names, I will never remember people's names. But when I say <laughs> some of these names are etched into my brain because they were so instrumental in me understanding, I went into college not knowing what a PhD was. Like, I didn't know right. what those, the acronym stood for. Like, that's just how much... I was so brand new and I was just doing what people said, do you go to school and you make it work. And I went to school and I tried to make it work. (laughs) Wow. That's amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. I think it's interesting too. I I love from my perspective, I get to interview so many different people and I find such interesting sort of common denominators. Those of us who go into college with this idea that, you know, maybe we want to be a medical doctor. We know we care about populations. We care about people. We want to help people, but we don't have that clear term of public health to attach it to. You know, we, we go through psychology, sociology, we know we're drawn to those classes, but yet we haven't quite put it all together and we sort of stumble upon public health. And, uh, I know nowadays there are the undergraduate programs and they're even talking about public health in high school, you know, I was just about to say that. I think that really what it boils down to for me is if we would have public health, Honestly, this is the funniest story, and it's not a bad story at all about Tuskegee, but I applied to be an educator. I don't know what prompted me to, I don't know what I, I don't know. Listen, I think I just (laughs) checked the box and was like, I'm going to go to college, and I looked through all the majors. I didn't really know what psychology was, but I just checked the box for, um, I think, early childhood education, and I came in, and they didn't have the major by the time I got there. And they said, okay, well, you're now a physical health educator. And I was like, I do, I don't know what this means for me. And so I, so I was like, can I still teach? What does this mean? And they were like, well, you would take on roles. Like you might be a, you know, a phys ed teacher. Um, that's pretty much what you're going to school for. You'll be certified. And so as I went through the program, I think I made it through like a semester and I've taken so many PE classes in one semester. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I think I was in class from 8 a.m. to literally 5 p.m. because I didn't know I such a new undergrad student mm-hmm. to the point where I had 21 hours my freshman year. And in that semester, I had like six PE classes on top of my reading 102 because I think I got out of the 101 class well I tested out of that class I had like you know my regular orientation all the you know the freshman yeah. classes and then five PE classes <laughs> on top of that and I was like listen people I don't know what this is but college is, is exhausting literally right <laughs> yeah. but you were in great shape so, though <laughs> right I was 
I was in the best shape of my life. However, <laughs> you know, so it was really funny because I always laugh because I come full circle because um, my first role as a sister professor, we were connected with our physical education. It was a health and physical education department. So health education and physical education, the same department. And it was funny because all I could think was, this is so full circle for me. And mm-hmm. I knew absolutely nothing about college. And now I'm a college professor. And I'm in this department. I started in this department. So it's like, I look at things like that as <laughs> signs that you're doing something right when you come back and you can laugh at yourself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I get it. Like, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Oh, that's, that is great. I love it. And I also, I have to touch on this because you just, you said something a little earlier when you were talking about your connection with teen pregnancy. And you say, we we always seem to come back to, you know, that connection that we have in public health, which is really what I talk about a lot when I say, find your passion. You know, what is it? Why did right. you start this journey? You find to connect to the thing that you care about. And then it's not about the job title or the dollars. You're forever mm-hmm. connected to the mission. So whatever the title looks like, you're connected to that population or that area that you care about. And you mentioned that and gave examples, even when you were, you know, when you guys moved to Michigan and, and then even just coming back, you know, just your, your connection with, you know, teen pregnancy from your mom being a teen mom and and your Uh your husband's family and, and then the work that you do and that community feel all of that is because you're so clear and you know, your passion is very clear to you. So all of the things right. that you've been involved in are still centered around that community facing aspect and caring and, and giving to the yeah. community and those populations in particular. Um, love it. Love it. I want to shift a little bit because I'm excited to ask about where you're going, but I also know your future plans and ideas have a lot to do with my next question, which is black ladies in public health. So please tell everyone, what is Black Ladies in Public Health? So Black Ladies in Public Health is a global organization that really focuses, well, we are Black women, of course, in the field. We are also interested in, so some people are not yet, you know, in public health, but they're interested in it, trying to figure out what public health is. We also have people who are training in public health. So there are students who are um, pursuing public health degrees or not. They could be students in other programs, which is interested. Again, public health is in everything. Mm-hmm. And so one of the reasons I started Black Ladies in Public Health is for that very reason to just try to see if we have connection points and connectivity with other people who are doing public health work. They just don't have that title. They don't even connect it for themselves. But as public health professionals, we should know and we should be able to identify, hey, you know, you work in transportation, but you're concerned about, you know, walkability and you're concerned about all these things. And so we need to connect you, you know, with what we're doing, because when we are having these conversations that are very informal at times, we can really, you know, expand our understanding of how to really address health equity. And so that's really what we are concerned about scholarship, you know, helping one, one another with, you know, all those things that we value in the academic space, but also service to our community and self-care. Um, that's a huge one because if we think about the things that Black ladies in public health are talking about, a lot of it comes down to what is self-care for us and what does that look like? And then support for health equity again in our communities that really fulfill our goals for a lot of us as it relates to, you know, making sure that we no longer have and see this health disparity that oftentimes has our, you know, image. (laughs) If we had visualization of, you know, what we're dealing with, um, Black women being at the top of uh, burdened communities for many diseases. And so 
we want to actually address that. Right. I agree. I, I think that this is um, just an interesting observation of mine. You know, I've been, I can't remember when I joined the group, you know, the group on Facebook, but I remember as we got closer to the APHA annual meeting in San Diego, which was the end uh, in November of 2018. And I have to say this because I don't know at what point someone may be listening to the podcast on a clear point of reference. So as we approached, you know, so maybe like the summer of 2018 on forward toward the end of that year, I noticed a momentum. And, you know, the theme was a lot of the themes of different of the conference was really, um, you know, racism is impacts health. And as we approach that conference and that topic was the center of so much of the research and the breakout sessions and the, and the workshops, it seemed as though there was a spike in activity and membership and just awareness of this organization of Black Ladies in Public Health. Did you yeah. notice a shift in membership and in attention in, around that time? One or two things could have been happening on, <laughs> on my end. Either we literally started adding people because we have a, a backlog of people who want to join the group. Mm-hmm. So much so that typically it's like, you have a hundred people who are waiting for me. <laughs> <laughs> so I could have been sitting down at that time and literally saying, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> or, <laughs> or we do have a lot of conferences. If you think about our conference schedules for public health, or in just, I feel like they revolve around academic conferences anyway. Mm-hmm. They tend to, you know, cluster in our spring semester and our fall semester. So I will say that a lot of times when those conferences happen, particularly that are addressing issues around health equity, you know, social determinants of health, Black Health Matters, those types of conferences where you're going to just naturally get a bunch of us in a room and it's like... There's this awesome community joining. And so then you get a lot of people who join from conferences. And so, yes, you will see a a tick in interest and activity as well. And because we were really doing a big push around APHA time, because we do understand that that is an opportunity for a lot of us to connect and support one another. Like we had a lot of, I put in a lot of time making sure that people understood like who what's going to be presenting and what are we presenting about and Mm -hmm. what sessions should we be attending and where do we need presence and student presence and voting and all that stuff. So that was like a huge effort of mine personally, but I know we had quite a few people in our group who were also, you know, going just as hard to make sure that we all knew about things that were happening and not just black issues, but literally issues around policies that would impact a lot of what we're seeing that of interest for people of color in particular. So, I mean, there's just a lot of conversation and things that were just happening for APHA that we just have gear up for. Oh, that makes sense. Well, that's great. Then I, I do remember you made a really, and, and the conferences can be really overwhelming. And I, I remember, mm-hmm. you know, had an episode where I talked about some of the things you can do to try to navigate, you know, kind of prepare for that and navigate that. But it's great to, um, to have any type of resource or guidance towards some of the, you know, areas of interest so that the attendees don't miss out and get overwhelmed. So it was a, a great effort that you put in that was really helpful. I know a lot of people appreciated that. And I guess that does explain maybe a combination of everything that you said explains the the spike and the increase that I witnessed yeah. over the months. But that's great work. Um, so what prompted you or inspired you to start Black Ladies in Public Health? 
Well, at that time, I think I was going through a lot in terms of understanding if I was going to ever be successful in this area. And I was kind of frustrated with what I saw um, (laughs) as a black woman in the field. I just entered into a very heavy space for myself, but I knew that if I were to come out of it, it was going to be on the shoulders of the people who would listen and really help me understand what to do next. And so I actually started to engage like friends from, you know, that I met at conferences and then my peers, I was in school with my PhD program, you know, public health support that I met along the way who were now like my best girlfriends. And so I said, you know, these people should know each other because they're amazing and they're always helping me. They should help each other. This is, this is wonderful. Mm -hmm. And so I'm one of those people where, oh my gosh, if, if I could just say, you know, everyone needs to be in a room and you tell me what you do well, and I'm going to, you know, you're going to do that. And so I've always been that person and I've, I'm a very natural organizer and I love, you know, asset based kind of organizing where I see what you are capable of and I think you should do it. And they said this and they said that in terms of how you should do this the right way, but Hey, you're good at this. This is going to be right for you. And so I kind of was like, if I can get everybody to do what they're good at, we can do this. We can totally mm-hmm. do this without all of this rigmarole around funding and, you know, how many papers do you have? Because at the end of the day, saving lives does not mean you're saving the lives of people who are reading your publications. You know, I mm-hmm. appreciate academia. I do. But I saw it for myself and I was just like, you know, this isn't what it's supposed to be. And I'm starting to change my focus from, you know, things that really matter to things that only matter in this subset of people. And it's really a privileged space for me. And I wasn't from that privileged space. So I was like, so how is this going to, you know, get to these people? And then I went over to practice and I saw that even practice was like in this privileged bubble. And I was like, this is scary. Where, Mm -hmm. you know, how are we really connecting with people? And so that's really why when I connected people, I initially connected people that I was like, okay, you're in public health, let's connect. Mm -hmm. But our first tagline was, okay, ladies, let's get information. And it's from Beyonce, you know, so I was like, that's pretty random, but also (laughs) very much not privileged. It wasn't like this organization is for, you know, women Mm -hmm. who are aspiring public health. It wasn't, you know, all that. It was literally like, okay, ladies, let's get information. We knew what that meant. We were adding doulas. We were adding friends who just, who are advocates who had an issue, you know, with heart issues. And now they're you know, trying to talk about heart health. And we had, you know, people who were teen moms who were doing a lot around education and, you know, making sure we understood what the implications were and how we need to reframe our discussions around teen pregnancy, but also address teen pregnancy prevention. We had so many different lenses in the group. Although we are Black ladies in public health, we were so diverse. That's really what inspired me to like, make it work because it could have been something most people say, you know, Jasmine, this group is amazing. Most of the groups that I'm in, they're full of people who could, I mean, hundreds and thousands of people who could really help me, but we don't even have like one conversation a day. Mm -hmm. This group is so busy and there's always so much to offer. And I think it comes from a space of, like I mentioned vulnerability earlier, and I use that word, and people get so concerned because they're thinking, oh my gosh, does that mean you're weak? Or, and I'm like, no, vulnerability, it could just be like transparency. Mm-hmm. It could be, I'm vulnerable to the idea of us making this work 
despite the fact that it may not be written somewhere that this is best practice or despite mm-hmm. the fact that I really do have a PhD, so I should make you call me doctor, but <laughs> I'm in the community and trust and believe they don't care if you wear a title of doctor or not. I had, we had a, you know, some incidences with, well, <laughs> I shouldn't even have an F one, but there are some things that have happened to some of us in public health, um, black ladies in public health that have really humbled us enough to say, yeah, we are still black women at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So we have to understand that we can't wear these titles. We can't present this organization as really understanding and being for health equity if we don't understand that we ourselves are represented in a lot of what we're doing. So let's just, you know, make that clear that this is who we are. So, you know, it just seemed to just unfold into so much. We actually had to put, you know, a lot more, we had to stop the membership early on because we saw such a huge influx in growth. I couldn't keep up with addressing questions because people would email me and text me like, so what should I do? And I'm like, listen, I'm trying to find a job myself. I don't know. Like, it, was, it, was, it was so much all of a sudden. And like my, one of my best friends and, and supporters for this, Jennifer Cole, has been there since the very beginning. And Jennifer was like, what can I do to help? And I remember saying to her, can you be an admin for this group? Because I'm just like, it's bursting at the seams and I can't seem to keep up. And so she agreed. And honestly, I will say that over time, we've had people come and go that have helped with, you know, managing a lot of what we have to put out there. I've had graduate assistants who have helped me along the way with some of the things that I'm doing communication wise. But ultimately, it was just, you know, I'm also doing this, keep in mind, as sort of like this aside project from and it wasn't really a formal project, but it was like this aside thing that I was doing almost like, oh, you're Facebooking with quotation marks, my air quotes, you know, you're Facebooking and that doesn't matter. But I really saw where it did matter a lot, actually. And so it just became one of those things where I was like, yeah, I'm just going to have to get help. And that's why we made it an official thing. So That's great. Because right now you have about 7,500 women that are connected in this mm-hmm. group. And it's amazing because I'm going to ask you to just, what were the goals? What are the objectives or like the mission of Black ladies in public health? So we are having a strategic planning meeting this summer at some point. But <laughs> right now, one of the things that I was not just jumping, you know, I wasn't going to rush into this and put out that, hey, we have a mission and a vision that mm-hmm. really didn't represent a gap, right? Right. And so I am so, that's why I say I love public health because it really does teach you a lot about just understanding those tangible skills and just being able to apply it across the board. Mm-hmm. Now, I was not an entrepreneur prior to this but I had, my daughters have a business. Um, and so I was sort of this kidpreneur, mompreneur type of person. And so in developing Black Ladies in Public Health, one of the things I took from understanding entrepreneurship is really getting a sense of, and, and this is also from public health, just understanding the gap and mm-hmm. what, you know, what do people want and what do they need? And so I was really not trying to, although we have this self-care, service, scholarship, achieving health equity as our sort of pillars. But what I didn't want to do is put out there a mission that really wasn't true to what we needed. Mm -hmm. And so we have organizations like SASE and we have organizations like Black Caucus of Health Workers. Um, We have our HBCUs that are having um, the consortium to work who have programs in public health. We have those groups that are really doing wonderful work around a lot of the policy stuff, a lot of our academic research and publications and mentorship. But what we saw as we started to 
you know, figure out. We had this brainstorming session, um, a colleague of mine, Dr. Kim Parker, um, Dr. Uh, Christina Riverson, Jennifer Cole, Akia Blue, uh, Valandra Oliver. We all started to talk about what were we really getting from this group. And this was about a year, uh, maybe six months into having the group. And Sandy Hogan, Dr. Sandra Hogan from Safi, uh, we just had real discussions about like what this group actually doing because we're not doing service so to speak like we're not out in the community doing service mm-hmm. we have scholarship yes but everybody's not an academic scholar so we don't want to make them feel like you can't be a part of this group if you're doing that but what we did realize what we were doing was amplifying the voices of those of us who were doing this work in whatever capacity and it felt so good and this really was motivating to not just those who were interested in public health but even those who were not interested in public health like our community people who were like oh you're part of this group what is it you know and we realized that this meant something for our communities as it relates to the mistrust that we've had for the field of public health as a black community in general but also just thinking about black women not really being represented in any of our you know our curricula and our understanding of what is you know public health and not seeing our faces there while we have these leadership roles keep in mind um Mm -hmm. and so We have a mission to really build and promote a positive narrative of Black ladies in public health. And so how do we do that? By building, we mean we want mentorship. There's a lot to that building and promoting that is not as obvious until you start seeing what we're doing for each other and then also for those who are not part of this. Promoting, again, goes back to a lot of that business mindset. Like, how do we brand public health in a way? And I know, like, this is public health. That was a huge camp. That is a huge campaign. Mm -hmm. And the reason, if no one knows, the reason you have to have this is public health as a campaign is just like we need, you know, the hashtag, you know, say whatever or remembering and say her name and cite Mm -hmm. Black women. All of these things are campaigns to really bring awareness to something that we actually need um, and in relation to those who may not be aware of what's happening in those spaces and places. And so promoting Black ladies, the work that we're doing in Black ladies in public health comes by way of our uh, social media campaigns. Mm -hmm. It comes by way of us talking. We have little challenges during the holidays of like, ask your family, what do you do? And it's always hilarious to come back and have people say, like, I will never forget someone's answer was like, my parents said you're taxable. <laughs> like, that's pretty much how they were like, I don't know what you do, but it's taxable, honey. And you got a job. So we're just going to go with that. So it's so funny because there is this thought of, like, how do we talk about public health in a way that people understand what it is from the onset of them getting to a undergraduate program or out of high school or in high school? Right. My daughter knows what public health is and she's nine. Mm-hmm. I could not tell you how many adults cannot tell you what public health is. Oh, yeah. um, she is always promoting public health in everything. And I just love it because she understands the concept and she gets like, how do you pull health into a conversation about playing with your dolls like what is it how could you talk about health or so she'll figure out oh this doll needs to talk about health issues because that's important and I actually have a couple of friends and I worked on a project that did just that that Mm -hmm. you know is interested in the toy industry and so they're going to toy conferences not public health conferences you know so that's the kind of stuff that's happening in the public health space that we don't even talk about and so 
that's not going to come out of a curriculum. That's not going to be in your in masters in public health course. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, exactly. Not not unless you have the the right kind of combination of people there. But you know that is an opportunity for us to talk about different ways that we can use our skills to get into spaces that we are interested in and really you know excel in those spaces. And so that's our mission: is to build and promote positive narratives around you know what we're doing as Black ladies in public health. And so we want to talk about who we are what we need, what we do, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and why we do it. And then also, you know, how can people really help us do better, uh, do a better job of what we're doing? So those are things that we're constantly dealing with and addressing as, you know, a group. Our vision is to really see a get us to a place where all Black ladies in public health understand that they are engaged, literally engaged in public health work, that they are valued in this space, and that they're empowered to do things that, you know, if you don't see it being done and you think it needs to be done, do it. You know, right. we want to have people charting, you know, courses that are not yet chartered. And we have, you know, a lot of those individuals in our group that are all the time making, you know, making really big moves around things that aren't being done. And we always want to understand and value those who have done things for us to be where we are. And so when we're thinking valued, engaged, and empowered, those are, there are people out there who are all three already. And what we've done is we've really circled around our history and we want to make sure that we're not, you know, being a historical in our, you know, constructing of, you know, where we want to go. We have to kind of know what has happened in our past. And so we're using all those women who have been a part of studies, not even just doing the studies, not the scientists, but perhaps the not unwilling participants, the ones who did not have a say, and they are part of this history in public health. We want to recognize them and we want to say, you know, their contribution is why we're where we are today. And then we're also looking at those who have had, you know, those achievements of being the first, the first Black this person or the first dean of this school or, you know, because Mm -hmm. they are also contributing to our, our understanding of public health in a different way. So it's a very ambitious you know, vision and goals and <laughs> mission, but it's broad. So we're having a strategic planning session this summer that we're trying to organize and get some key people there to help us. And that might be my nine-year-old daughter, but also <laughs> we want to get some of those people who are those high-achieving public health people. So we are in need of help there, but we are really working hard to make sure we can see some things happen this summer that really will organize us around some central issues. I saw a picture of your daughter dressed like Dr. Jones. Yeah. So I thought Dr. Carmela Jones was a former president of the American Public Health Association. Um, and I love that picture. That was so cute. Oh, thank you. Yeah. We have a whole, that's a part of our uh, Legends and Legacy campaign. So we are, we have a couple of, so we asked our Black Ladies in Public Health to submit pictures of their youth as like a casting call thing. And we had a lot of responses, probably like 43 responses. And so people are going to be getting their young people involved, whether it's their nieces, nephews, maybe their kids they mentor, big brother, big sister program, or even their own children to recognize, you know, some of our legends in public health. And we want to acknowledge Black men as well. Um, so we have, you know, our Black men in public health group that we are connected with, and I'm helping them shape, you know, some things that they've done. I didn't want to start their group. I didn't want to be really, really instrumental and in kind of, you know, um, making sure that they were 
doing what we did. So I was like, you know, y'all gonna have your own things to deal with. So, <laughs> but we are going to be connected. And so we are very closely linked to them. And so we'll have some things coming out on Sundays that will represent some of our legends. They may not be legends in everyone's eyes, but they are definitely legends to someone in Black Ladies in Public Health because everyone got to pick their own person that they would represent. And they'll be sending in pictures um, and we will be displaying those pictures. So it's pretty cool. I think that's great. I love it. Love it. Okay. I, wow. I just, I could keep talking about this and I love the conversation and thank you so much for sharing everything that you're sharing on this episode. I just have a couple of more questions and then we're going to wrap up. One thing I would just, I'm thinking if I'm listening to this and interested, how can someone get involved with black ladies in public health? So at this time we have several different entrees to like Black Ladies in Public Health. So we have a Facebook page that's very, very active on our public page. So if you don't want to necessarily connect because you might not be a Black lady and you're just like, but I'm still really, really interested in this group. You might want to say, okay, I want to be a part of like what's happening. And so our public page on Facebook and our Instagram and our Twitters are all things that you should follow and like and share because we're really trying to, again, promote, build and promote positive narratives, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the messaging piece. Um, But if you're wanting to get involved, like actually become a part of the group, um, we have our Facebook page, which is a private Facebook page. You can see it, but you'll have to get admitted into the group or you can certainly uh, link up with us on our group meetings. And so we have ambassadors from various cities around the country who are, who stepped up to say, I want to lead a group. If there's no ambassador for the location, you can even become an ambassador, believe it or not. If you're interested in helping us really develop our connection to the local communities. And so we just started our ambassador program this year. And so if you reach out to me, um, Dr. Jasmine Ward, I can be reached via email. Um, you can email support at Black Ladies in Public Health, B L I P H dot org, or make sure you're connected with people and the things that we're doing. Um, we have been connected with SASE and Black Caucus uh, Health Workers in our APHA sessions. And so we'll be definitely represented there. And I would say that honestly, the idea that we can connect in those ways is probably more than enough. But if there's ever a question about, you know, how can you do something financially or whatever, we have a website, blackladiesinpublichealth.org. So it's B-L-I-P-H dot org. Um, we use our acronyms a lot because it's just a lot to write all out. So B-L-I-P-H dot org is our website. And really, there's opportunity to connect there as well. So we will be developing that out. We have never asked for funding or anything like that. So things are in development, moving a little bit slower than normal, I would imagine. Um, But also, they're picking up steam because we are now starting to kind of develop out our programs and and our structure so that we can organize things in ways that would help um, facilitate connectivity with our allies as well as those of us who are Black ladies in the field. I think that's great. And I will make sure to provide the links to how to connect with Black ladies in public health in the show notes for this episode. So you don't have to worry about trying to scramble for a pen while you're listening right now. Another thing I think is great is that there are opportunities for, of course, Black ladies who are in public health, but perhaps for men or someone of a different ethnicity Mm -hmm. who's interested Mm -hmm. in this organization, there are ways to get involved and know what's going on and participate. So that is, 
that's wonderful. And I love that because I do know that there are other organizations, members of other ethnic groups. And like I said, males oh, yeah. that are very much supportive and interested in issues that are near mm-hmm. and dear to black ladies in public health, as well as Absolutely. the black ladies who want to be connected. So I, I will make sure that all of those links are provided in the show notes. And so one last question, and I promise I'm going to let you go, <laughs> but just, <laughs> you know, based on your experience and, you know, thinking about, you know, either job seeking or business related type business building tips and so forth. What can you share in terms of tips for job seeking and business building for people who are interested in public health careers? Sure. I think I would start with being authentic to self and um, making sure that you know that there are some things that you just won't um, do. There are things that you really want to do, understanding who you are. And, you know, once you have those guiding principles for even yourself, um, you're able to then, I think, network and collaborate. Those are major things that I think I've learned. If nothing else from Black Ladies in Public Health, these two things have been um, just top of mind all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And then value relationships because you don't know who you're coming into contact with, particularly, and I say this all the time, especially on social media and in ways that you really are not. I remember putting something out there about Dr. Regina Benjamin, and I was like, I love her. Oh, my gosh, I love her. I love her. And, you know, I think she tweeted something back, and I almost passed out. Um, (laughs) You know, like, it's, it's things like that that, you don't recognize, you know, that, that they're touching people in ways that you have, um, you know, no idea that they'd be, they'd be connected with that and that they would ever come across it. Um, Dr. Stephanie Miles Richardson, I absolutely love her, you know, like there's none other. And so I'm always, I have all these girl crushes in um, black ladies <laughs> in public health or black lady crushes in public health. And she came up to me at APHA and actually said, my daughter saw your tribute to me and then reached out to me to tell me about it. I had no idea, Aww. but that's how, that's how this world works. And so yes. when you say you, when I say value relationships, I don't mean value the fact that you love Dr. Stephanie Miles Richardson. I mean, value her daughter, like, or not knowing that's her daughter, but value the relationship. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the kind of stuff that I think I try to put out there in the world. And that we are in our job searches, yes, looking to make money and, you know, make a name for ourselves or whatever your goals are in public health. But at the end of the day, you know, I always go back to the thought of what does this relationship mean? What will you take from our interaction that, you know, you can call me and not talk about public health, but you want to talk about something else? Like, can we do that? That would be important to me. And I make sure when I'm, you know, managing people and I'm in relationship with my students, they have my cell phone number or whatever, but that's because I value that kind of relationship. And I think that that's okay for me. I'm not telling other people to do that, but that certainly is how I display that. So some things I just always do, I do it from a place of, you know, valuing relationships, being authentic to self, networking, collaborating, understanding our collective impact, 
is way greater than what I could do. And it's not always about me. Most people don't even know Dr. Jasmine Ward is the founder of Black Ladies of Public Health. They don't know that as a founder, you're also making the flyers and you're also <laughs> working the door and you're also writing the papers that you're also, yes. you know, <laughs> you're right. They don't get that. You know? so it's like, oh, you are going to work. <laughs> so you have to be willing to do these things. And so that's also being authentic to self. Am I really going to be, you know, humble enough, humble myself enough to say, I trust that my community people are way more the experts than I am in their issues around substance abuse and things like that. So this is one of those fields where you have so much opportunity out there, but you have to have your soul in it. You really do. There's not a place that I think you can work in, in this field that you can just go in from nine to five and leave and not hear about it. Yeah, I agree. Oh, I love everything you just said. Absolutely everything you said. And I'm so glad you really press in on, you know, the importance of networking, collaboration and, and value relationships because it's so easy to forget that there are people behind the letters that we text in and the you know, the profiles that we see on social media, those are real people and it's a way to connect. And it's, it's so important to remember that value connection. And another thing that is, I feel like I'm saying and talking about all the time, but it is so important to network from that place of authenticity. You need to know who you are, your values, like you said, and then it should be a natural, it should be a part of your, I call it your professional lifestyle. You know, I'm genuinely interested in learning about what other people are doing with their degrees and goals in public health, because I'm amazed by the ideas and, and the actions that people are taking. It inspires me to learn more. So it's a natural, it's very natural for me to want to meet new people and learn about them. It should not be just a matter of, Hey, is your company hiring? Here's my resume. Right, that's, you know, right. that's not networking. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's a, and I would say that you know, I like passed out a couple of times um, over the Dr. Regina Benjamin and the Dr. Stephanie Miles Richardson, you know, acknowledgement. But I think I, I'm just explored when I have someone, um, you know, from the group who, you know, is just starting out in public health and they're like, thank you, Dr. Ward. You know, I, mm-hmm. I had a young lady in our group who actually just wrote a testimony not too long ago and I call it testimony like I'm in church, but she, <laughs> she literally was like, you know, I remember her writing her first post and it was so heart reaching for me because I'm like, oh my gosh, she's not being successful in public health. And she's like on the verge of giving up, not just in public health, but on life. Mm -hmm. And so I reached out to her. I was like, Hey, you know, how can I help you? You know, what can we do? And I realized that there are so many people who are in this field who are not being the fruits of Mm -hmm. their labor, so to speak. And they're like, what is this? And I had to reach out and really help guide her through. I mean, we went down to like, what pictures do you have on social media? Like something Mm -hmm. as basic as that. And I value relationships. So when I say I'm not just going to Google and, you know, love those people who are way ahead of me and doing things that I always aspire to do, but also looking at people who are in, in situations that I was once in and saying, how can I help you? Because you really are why I do this. And so, you know, she wrote on the group the other day that she, you know, attempted, you know, suicide three times. I had no clue. Oh, wow. I just knew it was bad for her. But one of the things I will take from that is, Every time I talked to her, every time I encouraged her, I gave her another thing to do. I told her, hey, you do this, do that. You go here, you go there. And when I say she was never one of those people who pushed back, 
she wasn't like oh, above anything. Like, I'm not going to do that. I understood her. Mm-hmm. I heard her. I listened to her. I gave it back to her in ways that she gave it to me. And I said, here's what I hear you saying. And one of the things I recognized from that conversation, when she came back and told the group that she got a job from someone in the group posting about a opportunity, she oh. went and pursued that opportunity. She was able to get the job. Her whole conversation, her person, everything in our text messaging back and forth, it's different now. And I recognize that that little bit of support and for most of us, it's like, oh, you get a job, you're happy. Yeah. But that changed something in her life that shifted everything. So that's how important this field is for some people. Um, So when I say value relationships, I don't mean just like value whether you have a title or not, but like value those people who might work under you, who might be, you know, coming up behind you, not as educated or not as much of an expert as you are. Um, Because at the end of the day, you never know how they might shape your experiences in this field. Because I mean, she surely shaped mine because I had a whole lot of things. I was thinking a lot about what we were dealing with. I had no I wasn't tuned into that. I wasn't right. tuned into it until she said it. And I was like, whoa, wait, what? So <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Okay. So, and these people are very open about, thank you, Dr. Ward. Here's what you've done for me. Or here's what I was surprised to see. And I just, you know, I'm, I'm learning from all of these experiences. I love it. I love it. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for taking the time. And I know we went over what we expected in terms of time, but I think it's all good and it just oh, no, it's so fine. worth it. So thank you on behalf of the audience, because I know by the time this comes out and is published and people are listening, that they're going to feel so much gratitude. So all the very best. I know you and I will be in touch on plans and so forth in the future, but I just am excited to see what will happen, what's to come, how Black Ladies in Public Health will grow and continue to have a positive impact. And uh, yeah, we may have to do an update at some point. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, Um, especially after we have our strategic planning sessions and all that stuff and get some folks involved, uh, collaborations with some other organizations. I'm excited about what's to come. Thank you so much for this opportunity, too. Oh, you're very welcome. That was amazing. Dr. Ward is a true servant leader. Her advice for job seekers or those, you know, looking to build businesses in public health, just to recap, her advice is to be authentic and real, you know, be true to yourself and others, to network and collaborate so that you can build capacity early on and to value relationships. Powerful. As Dr. Ward mentioned, one of the best ways for anyone to connect with her and Black Ladies in Public Health is on social media. They are on Instagram and Facebook. You can also connect with Dr. Ward on LinkedIn. So the easiest way to connect with Dr. Ward and with Black Ladies in Public Health is to just visit the show notes page for this episode, where you can find all of the links to social media, her website, email addresses, all those links to connect with her. So this is episode 79. So if you visit drchhuntley.com, so that's D-R-C-H-H-U-N-T-L-E-Y, drchhuntley.com forward slash podcast. Once you're there, just navigate to episode 79 for the show notes. 
All right, be sure to click on that subscribe button so that you get the newest episodes delivered directly to your mobile device as soon as they are released. You won't miss anything and you'll be among the first to hear the latest episodes. All right, everyone, until next time, have a fantastic rest of your day. Thank you for listening to the Public Health Epidemiology Careers Podcast at drchuntley.com.